Hello everyone and welcome to the English Link podcast with me, Jareen. Today I will be speaking to Eric, another member of the Link team. Hey Eric, how's it going? I'm good, Jareen. How about yourself? I'm pretty good, thank you. Uh, we thought uh, it would be fun to talk about Japan because both Eric and I lived in Japan for a number of years, different times, different places, but um, yeah, an amazing place. I want to know from you, Eric, what were your reasons for going to Japan? How long were you there, actually, first off? I don't think I know that. I was in Japan for uh, almost three years, uh, from 2015 to 2018. Um Yeah, just about three years. Um, I got my work holiday visa and I just uh, jumped on a plane and went to, to Tokyo. Oh, nice. Tokyo, mm. the place to be. And what were you doing there? So, after getting the work holiday visa, that meant I was able to work in Japan. However, I didn't have a job lined up. So, when I first got to Japan, I lived in Tama, um, which is in Tokyo, but it's in the outskir uh, outskirts of Tokyo. Hmm. And I found a teaching job. Uh, it took me about six weeks. Um, I found a teaching job in a nearby local station, still outside the main center of Tokyo. And I started teaching and I did that for about a year and a bit. Um, so it was quite an experience. I was used to being in Tokyo, in the center of Tokyo when I visited before. Hmm. But living outside near Tama... Um, it was, uh, it was cool to see, uh, more of the local side of the busiest city in Japan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What kind of age ranges were you teaching when you were teaching there? So it was a private school and it was more of a conversation, um, mm. I guess class. So I would have a variety of students from, I'd have one class that was quite young, maybe seven or eight. Um, okay. and then... I would have some other classes that were probably high school students. They were around high school. Um, and then there were adults. So it had quite a mix. Um, but for the most part, I would say uh, half of it was kind of like a classroom setting. The other half was just conversation. Just one-on-one. -on -one. Right. So like an Eikaiwa type exactly, setting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was a really small uh, school. So we only had uh, maybe... Uh, at a time, like two or three classes going on at once. Okay. And what did you do after after the teaching? So a year and a half of teaching, roughly. Yeah. So while I was teaching, I found a internship at a startup in more of the center of Tokyo. So they were located in uh, Ibisu, and I joined them. I was still teaching because my teaching was part time; it wasn't full time, so I still had a day or two to work at this internship. Um, and that's kind of where I started transitioning into uh, out of teaching. And I did that internship and taught uh, for probably about a year. Um, yeah. And then after that, I was able to find a full-time job at a design company in Shibuya. And... Uh, wow. Yeah, it was uh, pretty cool. It was short-lived. I mean, I only lasted four yeah. months. <laughs> not, not because of my uh, bad, uh, bad uh, report. Fired, no, I didn't get fired or anything. I don't think. But uh, I got I yeah, I got super lucky because it was um, 
what happened was um, I was hired to do uh, help with the content of a project that this company was working on. But the manager of this project, who was my boss that hired me, ended up quitting. And so the project was pretty much cut. And I was just there. I would come to work and I would just sit there and do absolutely nothing, get paid. It was great. I mean, yeah. in Japan, <laughs> you can't really get fired. What they try and do is, well, they didn't do this to me, but there's stories that people have tried or companies will isolate you until you probably uh, find out, find something new or just can't take it anymore. I don't know. It's kind of an That's interesting. Terrible. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a, you can read about it online. But for me, in my, in my case, um, it wasn't anything like that. I just had nothing to do. Um, I would come to work, but this was actually uh, three months in. So I was doing work for the first three months. The last month when um, I was uh, uh, just didn't have a project to do, I was looking for a new job. And I got really lucky and I found a job fairly quickly full-time at a startup that, um, that created the Illy Translator device, which is a hardware product. Um, and yeah, within a few weeks, I got out of the previous company and jumped into the new company full-time. So yeah, the transition was quite, uh, it wasn't so bad. I was kind of lucky that I just kept looking every day to, uh, mm. to find a new job. So that's interesting. You did you did the teaching thing, mm -hmm. which is what a lot of foreigners do when they mm -hmm. go to Japan, and then you moved into tech. That's a that's I don't know. I don't. I mean, I I taught in Japan uh, for three years, and I don't know if I don't know if anyone, everyone I know, basically who stayed in Japan or was in Japan, they were teaching. That was it. That's like the main the main uh, occupation. But that's interesting. So I want to ask you then, because as you were working for a tech company, one of the things that I was most surprised by when I went to Japan was, you know, Japan has this kind of, people think it's a very technologically advanced place. And in many ways it is, but I think one of the things I was surprised by is how in other ways it isn't. So as an example, uh, when I was teaching, I had to fax my kind of like a timesheet every week, the end of every week on a Friday from my high school that I taught at, I had to fax in my timesheet with my personalized hanko, which is like a stamp with your name on it. And that blew me away that I was, I'd never faxed before. So <laughs> I had to learn how to use a fax machine. I thought nobody used fax machines anymore, but they're actually, well, they're quite widespread in Japan. I don't know about now. I left Japan in 2012. But um, what are some things that surprised you about uh, about Japan when you got there, when you work there? Yeah, the hunko, the stamp was kind of interesting. I think they're trying to get rid of it. Um, the government is. Really? Because it's like, oh, in my oh. opinion, it's just a major inconvenience <laughs> in some sense. Mm. I mean, I think it's cool, but I also think that, uh, I mean, it's okay. It's not bad. It's what it is. It's, a, it's part of the culture. So... In yeah. terms of old technology, yeah, they use faxes. Um, personally, I didn't see too much of that, though. Um, the company, mm. I mean, the school I worked at, um, we just had a set schedule because it was so small that we just did everything in-house. They just printed out sheets and you would just put in your schedule on Excel. Um, oh. And then the design company was more uh, forward-thinking, um, so they didn't have anything like that that I saw. Um, and the mm -hmm. hard, uh, hardware company, the, the last company I worked at, um, 
to be honest, didn't really do, maybe they did some faxing, but in terms of what I had to do, it didn't involve any old technology really that mm. I can think of. But in terms of, yeah, technology wise, yeah, they still use fax machines. Um, it feels like Japan, yeah, they're high tech in Tokyo, but in some sense they're stuck in the 80s in some way. Yeah. Like, uh, because they, yeah. they advanced so fast in the 80s during the, I guess, the bubble mm. period that um, they kind of just, I think, stopped innovating in some sense. Um, but maybe they don't really need to. I don't know. The trains are all excellent. Um, Very true. But, Amazing. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't think, I don't, yeah, I can't off the top of my head. I just thought uh, Tokyo did things really conveniently. Like uh, when you go to a restaurant, mm. you don't have to sit down and place your order. You can put a, a punch in your order through a ticket machine in most fast food mm. restaurants. That's that's yeah. really helpful. Um, the Compass Pass, the, uh, I forget the, the Suica, I think it's called. Um, mm. Yeah, mm. the car that you use to ride trains, um, that was convenient. Um, you don't have to, you can just charge your card and you can just go and hop on. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, in terms of old technology, nothing really stood out so much. Uh, hmm. But I guess it just depends where you work. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, how about the language then uh, for you? Did you learn any Japanese before you went? Did you study while you were there? I know you're studying now on Link and doing really well. Oh, um, so yeah, when I went to Japan, I didn't speak any Japanese, really. I, I knew like some words, but no, I didn't speak anything. Um, and when I was there, I didn't study at all. I did not, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like I did not, I, I don't know. When I came into, when I went to Japan, I didn't think I would be there long term. Like I was like, okay, two, three years, which is why I didn't study. Um, because I was just focused on looking for a job and that took off took some time and then when I was working I just wanted to hang out with friends and check out Japan for what it uh, is um, so I didn't really have time to study I didn't have the motivation actually I didn't all my friends spoke English I didn't really have a need mm. to speak Japanese um, and you're in Tokyo where lots of mm. Japanese people speak English too I guess right so mm. yeah if there's enough English to go to get around um, uh, just because, yeah, it was a short-term kind of goal. I, if I were to live there for, I don't know, five plus years, yeah, I probably would have studied. But um, at the time, no, I didn't start studying until I joined Link, which is when I got back from Japan. It's kind of funny. That's when you got back. Yeah, That's I know. It's weird, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I didn't really study before I left for Japan, but then I did study while I was there. Um, and then a bit when I got back, but not anymore. I really would, I should, I never really got to a comfortable conversational level, but I can understand quite a bit. And I love the language. Mm -hmm. I think it is such a beautiful kind of melodic language. I love watching Japanese movies and TV shows mm. still. I do need subtitles, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really cool language. But, um, how is your language, your Japanese study going now? Oh, it's going good. So, um, yeah, no, I'm conversational now, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. I can read uh, quite a bit of material. It's going to take me a long time to get comfortable, though. I think reading, mm -hmm. I really want to get better at reading. It just takes time. I read podcasts, which is mm -hmm. my favorite kind of content because it feels like the person's talking to you and you're learning mm -hmm. a lot of uh, everyday uh, vocabulary. Mm -hmm. um novels okay so i like i 
I've read a couple novels. Um, they can be quite wow. difficult. Like, 20% of the words are unknown, so I'm just doing a lot of uh, linking on link. I could just look up words. If I can find a novel that's not too difficult, but just enough, that's perfect. I found one. Um, mm -hmm. And I went through that. I read that novel. It was the first novel I read. And it was it was good. Uh, I understood pretty much what was going on. You just get a ton of new words that uh, pop up to you. But, um, of course, when you read a novel, it's a little bit different how than uh, compared to when you speak. So mm -hmm. that's why I would say podcasts with transcripts and YouTube channels with uh, transcripts as well, I think are the mm -hmm. absolute best. I mean, when someone's picking a topic and they just stick, because they stick to the topic too. So you, mm -hmm. you get a really good understanding. While in novels, I found sometimes when you're starting out, it's a little bit difficult to see who's talking when, right. when there's several people in the story. Uh, in the conversation yeah. so um but it's, it's uh, instead of novels i found manga uh to be quite useful i don't read it as much now but you get pictures and that really mm -hmm. helps a lot to understand what's going on so um novels to me is probably a little bit uh towards the intermediate level um but yeah no i would say uh yeah i've been studying for i don't know two years but it's probably like 1200 hours i put in um I think 2,000 hours and I will be quite okay, uh, mm -hmm. but I don't really think like that. I just keep doing it, so I'd like to go back to Japan. It's probably one of the main reasons why I really want to go back to Japan um, is because I can actually use the language now and it's just going to be mm -hmm. a quite a different experience, so, oh, so like, that's my motivation. Yeah. Um, I had no motivation to study when I was in Japan, but once you, once you get to a uh, certain level and you just start being able to understand... Well, in my case, the more I was able to understand, the more I wanted to learn. So, because you get more content, you can start understanding stuff. Mm. Right, right. Mm. What uh, I think a lot of people listening maybe will be are interested in Japanese culture or maybe learning Japanese. Mm. So, what are some of the podcasts you mentioned just now that you're listening to mainly podcasts? What are some that jump to mind? The, the your favorite content. So, there's a podcast called Let's Talk in Japanese. That's a really good one. There's uh, transcripts as well. Um, there is a YouTube channel called Sayuri Seng. She's uh, a good teacher. She makes videos on a variety of topics and she has her own transcripts in the YouTube yes. uh, mm -hmm. closed captions. So those two I would start off. Um, they're not for beginners. Like They are late stage beginners because they're 100% in Japanese. So once you learn hiragana, katakana, and some kanji... I would say after three, four months, those podcasts are quite helpful. Um, and then after that, you could get into a little bit more advanced podcasts. Um, there's a lot out there. Um, mm. But for the most part, those two, Let's Talk in Japanese and Sayuri Sing, they're quite good. Mm. Okay, excellent. Mm. I will put, um, I'll put the links to those in the description so people can check them out. Perfect. So you've been away from Japan now. You left in 2018, did you say? Yes, I left in 2018. Okay, so two... I haven't two been back years. since. Okay. So what uh, What are you missing most about Japan? Hmm. Um, the food's really good. The food is excellent in Japan. I would say... Yes. Well, I know because of the corona situation, this doesn't really apply right now but going out and going to a lot of restaurants at night 
Um, I know right now everything closes earlier because of the virus situation, but uh, once that's over, I mean, Japan's gonna go back to how it was before that, and I really like you can pretty much get lost and have a good time in Tokyo.、Um, Tokyo is an interesting place. It's kind of like its own world, and in every station, there are a variety of different places you can go check out、um, mm. around the station.、Um, every station is its own world, I would say, just from、mm. street culture to、um, beer culture to anime culture. You get different experiences, and there's something for everyone, I would say,、mm-hmm. for sure. I always felt Pretty overwhelmed. I lived in Sendai, which is in, which is in the northeast、mm. of Japan, and、um, you know it's like I think it's a population of around two million, so nothing on Tokyo. I always felt felt quite overwhelmed when I went to Tokyo. I loved it, but I felt that I could only be there for a couple of days, and then I needed to go back、mm. to my kind of semi country city up there. I I I, I thought Sendai was the perfect size anyway, but.、Um, mm. Yeah, I have to agree with you with the food. I really miss the food, and not just restaurants. I talk about this with my husband all the time, who I met in Japan in Sendai.、Um, we miss the Seven Eleven、mm, yeah. bento boxes. So good. This is like you know a plastic bento box with some rice and some whatever you know little fried pork and all kinds of little treats. And it's delicious, and it's so cheap. And I think I ate that those for dinner a lot on my way home from teaching when I was teaching at night, especially.、Um, yeah, I really, really miss the food. The food's great.、Um, yeah, luckily、yes. in Vancouver we get a good variety of sushi. We do. We're lucky. That's、so. that's very true. There is.、Um, I live in North Vancouver. There's a sushi place down the street that I could walk to. And it's Japanese run, and it is just like being in Japan. It's great. I'm r- really fortunate for that. So. And speaking of the yeah, the convenience stores, they're open twenty four seven. For those that、mm-hmm. don't know, they're open twenty four seven. You can buy anything. You can buy alcohol, which is insane to me,、um, yeah. coming from Vancouver.、Um, yeah. You can.、Um, yeah, and they have the quite a big selection. They have those <laughs> those giant. Jugs of sake, which look like giant water bottle, con- like、mm-hmm. for the water containers. It's pretty funny.、Um, yeah, 300 yen、uh, yeah. bottles of wine. Yeah, yeah. Just terribly. <laughs> I was, you know, straight out, fresh out of university when I went there. Didn't have any money, so our weekends <laughs> were fueled, my friends and I, by these 300. I think they were called Montfrère. Oh, that sounds、yen. very. That sounds very high end. <laughs> oh, it was. It, it, you had a hangover the next day after that, but three hundred, three hundred yen. What is that in Canadian? That's about、um, like that's like three dollars American, so like three fifty. Three dollars for a bottle of wine. Wow, that's cheap. Yeah. Yes. I saw the、yeah. one cup sake, which is like a dollar.、Yes. Tastes like gasoline when you、yes. drink it. Me and my friends, <laughs> we were like, we were just doing a few of those in the beginning, but then we just stopped because it was it was not good.、Um, yeah. And then the, I was gonna say the Chuhai, the Strong Zero, the infamous drink. For those who've been to Japan, probably know. Do you ever have a Strong Zero? I had one, but I knew about it prior. I don't. I stay away from them. They'll. They'll just. They'll give you a bad hangover, and、You'll、you see a lot of young、them. people drink、yeah. them because they're so cheap, but they're just packed with sugar. 
It's so um, sweet. Yeah. yeah. It's basically Funny. like, a, yeah, it's Alco Pop. Yeah, there you go, Alco Pop. Yeah, pretty Times much. Times a million. Yeah, super, super sweet. Yeah, there's this huge drinking culture. Oh, yeah. In Japan, actually. Yeah. Uh, I can think of, I think you see the uh, images of people passed out in the street you know, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the salary man i don't you living in tokyo you must have seen this i one image comes to mind for me in sendai i remember walking home at the early hours of the morning one friday saturday night and there was a man in a suit the salary man and he had his mcdonald's bag and he had his milkshake just kind of propped to his chin and a little little trickled <laughs> chin and he was fast asleep that's awesome and his you know his wallet, his keys, his phone are, are on him. I imagine I don't remember seeing him. Totally safe. Nobody called the, calls the police or anything. It's just, it's just a hardworking salary man having a good night out. He's deserved it. Passed out drunk in the street. That is another thing that surprised me actually about Japan. I don't know about you, if you knew about that before you went, but oh well, I've been to Japan a couple of times before, so I've seen it already. So when I moved there, it didn't. It was just something I've already seen, but uh, okay. No, yeah, it's pretty funny. If for those who don't know, you can check it out on. You can just Google. There's an Instagram page called uh, Shibuya Meltdown, and I think they oh. they're just pictures <laughs> salary men mm. just just uh, from a long night. So it's it's, it's yeah, that's another thing. It's just it just goes with the territory, and it's quite safe in Japan. So you can kind of mm-hmm. leave your wallet out, and no one's gonna take it. Um, yeah, hopefully, but. Uh, yeah it's no, true it's funny yeah it's happened i had a friend who dropped um her purse and i think hours later we went back and someone had just put it on a little wall next to it where she dropped it it's so so safe i mean it's not also had a bike stolen from outside my apartment my husband did mm. but um but i'd like to tell the story about that the police were incredible um so the bike was left outside no lock we reported it the police came for a stolen bike now two police officers they came in they asked us questions they took measurements of outside our apartment i'm not really sure what that was all about they t- drove us to the police station and asked more questions <laughs> and they, they took it really really seriously mm-hmm. so yeah it is a really safe it's a safe culture and when there is a crime it's taken seriously i, I think yeah so. bikes get stolen actually Often, that's what I mm. thought uh, when I was there. They get misplaced, um, mm. and also when you have a bike, one thing that I learned the hard way is you got to make sure to park in the designated areas. My mm. bike got, I guess, towed. You could say so many right. times, and I had to go pay a fee, pick it up. I ended up realizing that by one of the stations where I would drop off my bike, there's underground parking just for bikes. So oh, that's yeah. always something yeah, to look for. Um, it's mm-hmm. cheap, and you can leave it there overnight. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, if you have a bike, just make sure you can't leave, just make sure you don't leave it on the street, um, or mm-hmm. anywhere for a long period of time. Otherwise there's people that will come and just snatch it from you and you'll have to find out. Yeah. Then you'll have to find out where it is and mm-hmm. it's usually at a different station and then you have to go and pick it up and pay, uh, about mm-hmm. 6,000 yen. I think that's how much it costs. Ooh, yeah. I didn't know. That's, that's quite expensive. It is. Yeah. That's Especially if you thought. do it several times like I did <laughs> start uh, yeah not fun hmm. yeah I guess with so many bikes because there are lots of bikes uh, in the cities in Japan and just everywhere in Japan yeah they have to be solid rules otherwise it'll just be a mess mm. the Japanese love rules so oh yeah the rules yeah you gotta 
-hmm. Every rule, yeah, everything is... There's so many examples, but yeah, you just gotta be quiet mm -hmm. on the train. I had one guy, he just, yeah. he smacked my phone, even though I was, I probably shouldn't have been talking, but he just, was like, wow. Yeah, I was like, oh man, okay. Yeah, just an old, pissed off, uh, I don't know how old he was, but yeah, on the, on the train, foreigners don't realize you need to put your phone on manner mode. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, what other rules are there? There, everyone stands on one side uh, when you're going up the stairs. Well, it's kind of yes. like here, but they follow it more rigorously. And oh, yeah. um, other rules are there. There's there's just so many different rules. Like lining up mm -hmm. is very uh, taken seriously, so you gotta make sure you're in the right spot at the right time, um, mm -hmm. and things like don't that. Don't tip. Don't tip taxi drivers. I learned that the hard way. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't tip. Well, mm -hmm. you don't have. You can tip, but you know, it's not a culture really? thing. I it's don't not, know. Yeah. yeah, I well, I went to. I visited in twenty two thousand and eight. No, 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 no. I, le I, le I went in 2008. It must have been 2006. So I did a Tokyo trip. And then two years later, I moved there to, to live for three years. And I remember tr uh, going in a cab for the first time in Tokyo and then trying to tip the cab driver. And he was just very confused and then kind of annoyed. And I felt terrible. I didn't know any Japanese. And I was afterwards, I, I feel like I should have known that before <laughs> I went, but I didn't. <laughs> So that's kind of a good tip if any anyone is planning to visit Japan or live in Japan, for sure. Yeah. Um, also, uh, what else? What other tips would you give visitors or people who would like to live in oh, Japan? Oh, to live in Japan? Um, make sure you have an understanding of certain processes, like opening a bank. It was mm -hmm. so weird. You have to open a bank, but to open a bank, you need a cell phone. And to get a cell phone, you need to open a bank. So... Yeah, figure that one out. So, so I, I, I tell people just to research it out. I, I, I was lucky I had a friend that translated everything. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the other things if you're there long term is moving is can be quite a bit of a hassle because you need to tell, you need to walk. So speaking of, you were saying fax machines, here's something that I found quite annoying <laughs> was you can't email the city to say you're moving to another city. You need to go there in person and fill out all these forms within 14 days. So you always have to go in person to do certain things. Um, mm -hmm. And even if you're moving from one place to another, that's quite a ways away. You still, I found you still had to go. So just make sure yeah. those things are uh, something you've researched. Moving, changing jobs, um, mm. health insurance. Um, mm. Yeah, um, and... I would say uh, those are the kind of the things that I learned while there. I didn't really do much research. I just went once I got my visa. Um, it worked out in the end. But um, mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have someone or you don't speak Japanese, I would say just look online. Um, and also one other thing that it wasn't really a problem. It was just really annoying once I got back to figure out was uh, when you leave. Well, in Canada, for instance, when you move to Japan, you need to declare to the CRA that you're not a resident anymore. And I never did that. So my taxes mm. were, I had yeah. a lot of questions with taxes, but it was all fine in the end. Um, right. But I would just make sure prior to that, prior to moving to Japan, if you're in Canada or whatever country, just let the uh, tax agency, your mm. uh, government tax agency uh, know that you're going to be a resident in Japan. Um, so mm. those are just like, some of the major things that I would look into. Otherwise, um, yeah, 
there's there's a lot of surprises <laughs> in Tokyo yeah. that uh, that will just happen. But for the most part, you can find a lot of answers online. It's mm-hmm. easy now. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Especially now, yeah, that's a blogs and mm-hmm. podcasts and all kinds of things. So mm-hmm. cool. Well, I think we could talk for a really long time on Japan. We have had lots of experiences, but we'll stop it there. And um, yeah, if anyone listening um, or watching, if you're watching on YouTube, has any fun stories from a visit to Japan or if you live there, please let us know in the comments. And also, if anyone has any uh, tips on good content as if you're learning Japanese, as uh, Eric mentioned, some podcasts, uh, maybe you have some, you know, some good YouTube channels. It's always good to share the content. Uh, so you can pop that in the description as well. Uh, thank you very much, Eric. Thank you. It was a great talking to you. Bye-bye.